0: This week's podcast was brought to you by the Emmy nominated comedy series Blackish, starring Emmy nominees Tracy Ellis Ross and Anthony Anderson. The critically acclaimed comedy series just wrapped its fourth season with creator and executive producer Kenya Barris showcasing a musical episode with Jutenth, continued Johnson family hilarity, and some rocky marriage troubles between Bo and Dre. For your Emmy consideration, vote ish in all categories, including outstanding comedy series. As Entertainment Weekly raves, Blackish is the gift that keeps on giving. Remote Control, the Variety's TV podcast. I'm Deborah Burnbaum. Every week, we'll bring you conversations with some of the best and brightest in television, working behind and in front of the camera. On today's episode, we're talking about Marvel's Jessica Jones with the cast and creator Melissa Rosenberg. Stay tuned. Hi, everyone. <laughs> so, first of all,
1: congratulations on
0: season two. How did you avoid the sophomore slump? What was the secret? Do you want to start?
1: Uh, the secret uh, <laughs> it was to tr- not to try to repeat season one. We had uh, an extraordinary uh, first year with uh, Kilgrave, and uh, you know, it really wasn't going to get any better than Kilgrave in terms of a villain. So we were like, okay, well, let's not even try. Let's do something entirely different, which is how we uh, landed with the extraordinary Ms. Janet McTeer. So. Janet,
0: what was it that made you want to join this show?
2: Um, it was talking to Melissa, really. Because um, uh, I, I watched the whole of the first season. I thought it was great, uh, really great. And I thought that, you know, our wonderful women here were just fantastic. And, and the men. <laughs> and, uh, <Man. laughs> and, um, and then Melissa and I got on the phone, and uh, we just she just persuaded me. And she was just very persuadable. And uh, I thought, and you sent me a couple of scripts, I think, and a couple of ideas about the character, and I just thought it sounded so much fun to work with um, such a talented bunch of people, and the storyline sounded great, the character sounded great. I, you know, I'm really old. I've done this a really long time, <laughs> and I really love doing stuff I'd never done before, and I'd never done this before. So that felt like a really, really good combination, and I'm um, happy to say it was. I had an absolute ball.
0: Did you know the arc of the whole season when you signed on? Do you know what was going to be revealed? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> As I remember when I tried to interview at the start of the season, I was not getting any answers, but it was fun. <laughs> Kristen, what about for you? What did you want to see for season two that you didn't get to do in season one?
3: Um, yeah, so in watching season one and playing her, I was really interested in 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 looking at that time or moment or moments um, that happened to Jessica. What happened that made her lose all of her color in her life? What made her how she is now, so hard, so gray, so dark. Um, and luckily, that was exactly what Mel was doing in season two. Kind of going back, doing a bit of an origin story in uh, origin story of even our leather jacket, like done in the most Jessica Jones way. Um, we really went back and, and saw why Jessica is like she is. And, and that was, um, really exciting for me to play and to build on what we did in season one, um, explore more of her season one was so in her head. And I feel like season two is really in her heart and in her past and in the trauma that she carries around. Um, so, uh, that was, it was a really amazing experience for me.
0: And Rachel, what about for you? Trish is definitely in a different place. Comes season two, <laughs> she says she politely. Is.
4: Yeah, um, you know it's really fun reflecting on on season one and season two because in lots of ways, season two she goes quite cra- you know, crazy. She goes quite crazy, 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 um,
0: Craig crazy. The right term.
4: <laughs> um, and looking back to season one, I remember Jeff. I think said that you know Trish is like. The perfect perfect best friend she really really is but I also think what Melissa has done really masterfully with um, the Trish character in season two is you go back to season one and you can see the shades of that kind of unholy appetite to be more than what she is and her deep desire to kind of matter and be more powerful than what she is and shades of jealousy with Jessica and I you know I just always love teasing out like the different versions of female friendship that we get to put on the screen. You know, I love working with Kristen and I, I love that we play, um, we get to play in a female friendship that is messy and, and they're not always the perfect, perfect best friends. Like they're mad at each other and there's shades of jealousy and, and disloyalty. Um, And I think seeing all of that kind of percolate to the surface in season two is, super rad and fun for me to play as an actor. And
0: Ika, what about for you? Malcolm's in a different place this season two. He's finally standing up to Jessica.
5: Yeah, season two for me was the most I've probably ever enjoyed going to work. Um, It was just so much fun to see him develop into his own right as an individual and to test his relationship with Jessica. I feel like the entirety of the second season was the, the core of it was about family. And, uh, I think what Malcolm represents to Jessica is very much the, the personification of her no longer little brother. And, um, and to see that relationship tested in the, in a very familial way where you have, um, yeah, you have the bickering, you have the individualization process, you have also that deep core of love and, um, yeah, to see that kind of stretched and, and moved was just, yeah, just an absolute joy to play with. And also just to get to see a little bit of where Malcolm has come from, but also I think for him, it, more importantly, it's kind of where he's going. And um, and to see that develop was so rewarding and fulfilling to play. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm just amongst such incredibly talented individuals that it's also just like a masterclass all damn day.
0: Manuel, the show has such a distinctive look and feel. How did you come up with the style for the show, and what, what did you want to convey with the way it was shot? Um,
6: well, we, um, uh, S.J. Clarkson and I, at the uh, beginning of uh, season one, we came up uh, with this look, and it was... a. Uh, a very good um, collaboration in the process of, of prepping the episode. We, um, the episodes, we, we realized that we had, we were referencing the same kind of films and the same kind of style. So it was really easy to get into each other's head and really, um, you know, come up with a cohesive look that, uh, that uh, suited us both, but also the show. We wanted, you know, to... Um, uh, to portray, to show Jessica more, you know, hidden away before, um, behind foreground elements, or uh, play with reflections, you not know, and create layers, visual layers that you know that you would have them to peel away to really get to the core of this character. And um, uh, I was really fortunate, or we were fortunate, that we were let um, to do this thing, and 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 uh, we, we were awarded a lot of creative freedom in that, and that's um, that's the reason why I really wanted to come back for season two as well, because uh, I couldn't, you know, pick up from um, where I had left off.
0: This seems like a good time to bring up that this season was directed by all women. How did that decision come up, and how did... <laughs> Amen. And how did that... <laughs> if only there were more of them. Um, if only more shows did it. Um, how did that decision affect the, the, the way the story was told?
1: Well, it came up um, as, you know, we were uh, Jeff and I were talking and, and with Netflix as well about, you know, this uh, season two really wanting to be at least uh, 50-50 uh, men and women, people of color really wanting to fill those slots. But as we began searching for those female directors, we realized there's just a, a, a deep, deep bench of so many talented uh, seasoned pros that we just kind of kept going. Um, And, you know, in terms of of how it affected what was on the screen, you know, a great director is a great director. And so it's not as much, you know, what's on the screen It's more about the environment on the set. And uh, so there was a really uh, – it was normalized. It felt very normalized. I mean, if you'd walked off our set onto another set, you might go, oh, wow, I'm the only woman here. But it was very much uh, was a great balance on the set. And, I mean, the actors can speak to this, but I think it, it's created a level of safety. You're not the only one of your kind there, you know. I
7: mean, I, for us, it, was, it wasn't it was a question of whether or not they were all going to be women. It was much more of a question of we just want to make sure that there's talented storytellers that are there. Um, and And we really look forward to the day when this isn 't a topic of conversation that, it, that it is it isn 't about whether or not it 's a man or a woman or an alien it's it, that whoever is there is telling the best story that they can tell uh, and, and I think that 's where we got lucky I don't, you know it 's funny because when we did start having the conversation, it really wasn 't about okay well let 's hit this magical goal of trying to find thirteen women who are appropriate for the job. It really was Let's try to find 13 storytellers. Oh, these happen to be women. That's a good reason for us to do this. And, and I think, hopefully, in the industry at large, that that is a way that people are approaching storytelling, that it isn't about whether or not you have a diverse uh, person behind the camera or whether or not you are gender or anything. It's, that it's always going to be, as it is when you're looking at casting, hopefully, who's the best person to tell that story? and and with any kind of luck the doors are being opened for more and more people to have the options for those things.
2: But I think also because most, as you said, the story a lot of the story was about sisters uh, mothers and daughters um, you know, that's a a female story and so being told by, directed by female directors were people who had direct, you know, could reference that directly in the way that I, I don't understand why Somebody would go and see a male gynecologist. Why would you bother? So uh, um, it was sort of the same. You know, you have the same kind of feeling from a female director. It was helpful.
0: Exactly. You've got the owner's manual. <laughs> I'd like <laughs> I'd like to hear from the other actors. Kristen, you know, how did it feel for you to work with female directors this season?
3: Sure. Um, I loved it. I think that it in addition to everything that these guys have said, it also created a, a shorthand and a comfortability with your directors. You know, we deal with sensitive subjects on our show. And when you can just get really quick and to the point with another woman, okay, you want to see this much of your my butt? Okay, fine. Like you, that would, that, having that conversation with a man may take 35 minutes, you know? <laughs> Um, but there was a real, it was a real sisterhood and celebration and it was exciting seeing all of these badass women behind video village. No one's glammed up. Everyone's leaning in. Everyone's contributing. I think it made our set really warm, welcoming, exciting. Um, and I'm really proud that we did it.
0: And Rachel, especially for you, you had your own me too storyline this
4: season. So how did that impact you? Well, it's, it's funny, you know, we shot this a, a year before Me Too, you know, was even a thing. But, you know, I'm proud to be on a show that puts um, real social issues that affect women kind of front and centre. And our show has kind of always had that in its DNA. And I also love that, you know, the way Melissa writes is never kind of putting the issue before the story. You know, the story is the vehicle and, and the character's experience is the most important thing. And, and yet, because they're, they're written um, with so many different shades and they're written so truthfully, these women encounter y- the same things that we all encounter out in the world. And I think that's kind of quite masterful. And it, and, but, it, but it wasn't forced because Trish is a child star and she's been in Hollywood her whole life. So it seems like a natural fit, I guess.
0: Jeff, you have a few Marvel TV shows on the air at last yeah. count. Um, how thank, does this, <laughs> thank you, Mom. Uh, how does this fit into your overall universe? How does, where does Jessica Jones sit in all of that?
7: Well, look, we try our best to make sure that each show has its own voice, has its own flavor. And if you're a comic book fan, you already know that. In, in other words, anytime you go to the comic book store on Wednesday uh, to get the new comics, there's always going to be, oh... Ms. Marvel is different from Jessica Jones, which is different from The Avengers, which is different from. And so I, it wasn't a surprise. And, and the original source material that, that was written by Brian Michael Bennis and drawn by Michael Gatas, you know, really has a very distinct voice just to start with. But what this show has always done, uh, and that and I give the credit to Melissa and the, and the writing staff, which is extraordinary um, is that they really embraced what we think we do really well at Marvel, which is to take things that are happening in the real world, put them through a, a prism that is the Marvel DNA, and out comes a story that has action and adventure and fun and violence and, and people that are broken and people that are heroes, and, and, and it somehow comes out as Jessica Jones. And so the, the part that's really most important to us is that it just feels truthful. Uh, and I think that's one of the things that's extraordinary about this cast is that how hard they work to make sure that, yes, Jessica can break a door down with her hand and that that's, that is the superpower part of the show. But unless you care about the relationship between her and Trish, or the relationship between her and her mom, or her and Ika. Like, if those things don't work, it, it doesn't matter whether or not we have all the special effects in the world. Uh, and and I think that that always begins in the script. And they have they have managed to continually tell stories about people and how they interact with each other. And, and one of the things that, that we are most proud of is is what Rachel was talking about, which is... This relationship between these two women that's affected by, and this is going to sound odd, but it's not affected by a man, which is what we see that story over and over and over again. Oh, you're dating him. I'm not interested in being your friend anymore. Oh, he said this, or I'm in love with your partner, or any of those things. It really, truly is about two sisters who have been trying to deal with almost the same problem from the very beginning, which is who 's going to save who and and that 's something that I think we all i mean if you have any kind of relationship as as a sibling that you 'll find that you, someone plays the role someone plays the role of the rescuer, someone plays the role of the of the person who needs rescued and what 's lovely about the dynamic between these two characters is it continually changes, and what one believes and the other doesn't believe. You you always get to play that around, and then you add someone like Ico or Janet to the scene, and suddenly it all turns around again. And that's that's good television at the end of the day. That's good storytelling. Um, So we just luck out because she happens to be a superhero.
0: Melissa, when we were backstage, I don't want to betray any conferences, but you asked Malcolm a question. Oh, you asked the ego question about Malcolm. Is that a conversation that you always have with your stars? Like, do you want to collaborate with them
1: on where they see the characters going? Absolutely. Um, Yeah. We, you know, we writers get started many, many months before the actors come into into play. And we're giving them a little holiday because they're about to work incredibly hard, but You know, as we start to get our story together, um, it's very important to uh, engage with the, these guys know their characters uh, so inside and out. Um, So that process of once they've gotten the scripts and getting their feedback on it is uh, essential. I mean, we're, it's it's a pretty intense collaboration, you know, we really uh, are all part of the same story. So I, uh, yeah, man, I live and breathe by their notes.
0: For so the actors, what does it mean for you to have a showrunner, a creator who's so collaborative with you?
3: Oh, God, it's the best. I feel so lucky to get to work with Mel. Um, we like always encourage each other and inspire each other. You know, I'll get a draft of a script, look at a scene, be so like fired up about it, call her up or email her, oh, what about these three things that you have already written? Let's go even further. And then sh- we just kind of, sometimes we, um, I feel like sometimes we share the same brain and I feel so lucky. It's rare, you know, I think it's rare to have, um, your boss like also, um, encourage you to be like, to lean in and be your, your big self and, um, and, and to be it's, it's like such a strong collaboration. It's, uh, it's, it's really the best.
1: I love this idea that I'm the boss. Like, I mean, I just like living in service of these people. I'm like, oh yeah, yes, I'm the boss. Um, what do you want to see for season three?
0: I mean, I know what you're already working on, but for the actors, what you know, what's ahead for you? What do you want to see for your characters?
3: I mean, I'm really excited. We, you know, we spent season one and season two looking back and dealing with the the loss and the trauma and the psychological damage that Jessica carries around. And I think all of us at some point in our lives have to look back at something in order to move forward. And I'm so excited to see what Jessica does now that she's faced a lot of things. I think in the episode we just watched, the scene she has where Kilgrave says, okay, I'll see you later, um, was a big moment for Jessica because she realizes that she's not like him. She's not a monster. So I think for Jessica, if she could hate herself a little bit less, what can she do with that? So I'm excited to see where, where she goes.
0: And Rachel, is Trish going to overcome her (laughs) cray-cray? Oh,
4: my God. Um, I I mean, I don't know, is the truth. I've spent lots of time driving around in my car and walking around in my living room pondering all the things that she could possibly do. But the truth is, you know, I'm not sure. But I I think one thing I've loved about playing Trish, season one, season two, and, and now moving into season three, is just, you know, seeing how far she is prepared to go to to satisfy her deep desire to, to matter and be safer and not be vulnerable and have the powers that Jessica has. I have no idea what, um, what that's going to look like, but that's a very rich, um, rich thing to keep kind of diving into. Um, who knows the depths that she's kind of going to go to, but I'm really excited to play them, whatever they are.
0: Okay, spoiler alert question. <laughs> yeah, right.
2: I be, I'd be dead.
0: <laughs> Flashbacks, my dear? Any chance? <laughs> we have saw Kilgrave again. Who knows? All right. That's <laughs> you. <got laughs> you. Yeah. What do you want to see for Malcolm?
5: Um, I think what we've just seen in this episode as well is that, that powerful breakaway scene, and I think that is the most powerful moment for Malcolm in either of the two seasons. And... Um, and so I, I want to see us lean into that and see where, where he goes and, uh, how far he's willing to go in order to achieve emotional and, uh, personal autonomy. And, um, yeah, and I, I think he's exploring the kind of razor's edge of, of the dark and the light and, and we'll see where that goes. I have absolutely no idea. This is all my own personal speculation over (laughs) many, many, many hours. Um, but, uh, yeah, yeah. Extremely excited.
0: Well, so are we. So this is my chance to turn it over to you guys so you get a chance to ask some questions of this wonderful cast and crew. So, um, turn up the lights. Hi, Hi everyone. That's so nice. Hello. There you are. (laughs) (laughs) Go ahead.
5: Um, It's not really a question. I just want to really thank you all. Um, Being a Latino, being a Latino actor, I really appreciate... I don't know if it was purposeful or how purposeful it was, but seeing the Latino actors you guys have because we're, I feel we're underrepresented, and then you guys started with, with, um, uh, sorry, with with, uh, with Rosario, and you moved on. But this episode where you had a lead love interest being Latino, I, I think it's just important for for Latino culture, and I really appreciate seeing what you guys done for our culture with your shows throughout the Marvel universe. I mean, at least on Netflix so far. So just want to say I appreciate that and thank you.
7: Thank you. Yeah, look, it's important to us that. Uh, our audience uh, represents the world, and and our shows should represent our audience. And so it's it's something that we feel is very important. And and I think you see it through at least through our television shows. Uh, and I think you see it more and more in, in the film division as well. So it's pretty great. Great. Next question. Um, there's someone in, like the second or third row. There you
0: go. For the production staff,
7: I was just curious why you felt it was necessary to cast a majority of your cast from the British Empire rather than the United
1: States.
5: <laughs> Personally, we're from the penal colony.
1: That's true.
5: But uh, we have a I, I mean, I, I don't know if I should be offended or not.
7: Uh,
4: <laughs> I don't want to high-five, me, Eka, but I'm not sure. Yeah, I, yes.
7: <laughs> we're, we're trying to help Australia, okay? It's what we do. We're inclusive. We're the kind of place where we like everyone coming
2: God here. save <laughs>
7: the
0: <thing>. Representation matters. <laughs> All right, next question. Um... Let's sit over here in the front row. So I'd like to explain that I've seen a lot of that story, and was kind of interesting to really watch a lot of women taking those natural leads. And uh, for example, I felt really inspired by that. So did you guys sort of really want that to happen? Was that the intention of really kind of creating some of that young women to be able to look and be sort of inspired by that leadership? And women feel like they can overcome those different situations and different situations with men and having an equal challenge. Was that sort of an intentional thing that you did? Okay. I, I, oh. Yes.
1: <laughs> like, <laughs> yes. Like, like <laughs> yeah, well, I think um, if I understood your question, it, you know, all of us uh, take our our roles uh, as uh, y- you know storytellers and uh, as very very seriously, uh, and. You know the experience of ha- knowing that what you're doing on this little stage is actually going out to millions of people, and whether you're intending to or not, you're you're having an, an impact. So you damn well better be a very conscious impact, and and know what it is you're putting out there. Uh, it's, it's a huge responsibility, and I feel incredibly fortunate to to have that sort of uh, opportunity.
7: Kristen, you I mean I, you have real personal experience. I mean you've had a lot of young women. Yeah, I, I, Come on and, and, tell, and talk about how the show has changed their lives I, I,
3: Yeah, playing Jessica has been the best thing that's ever happened to me And before the first season came out, I only thought about it in terms of it being this great part for me Because in my career, I've had parts where I was one thing And none of us are one thing None of us are just like funny I would play parts. where I was just the funny one. Then I was just the best friend or just one thing. And then you get this part and she's so complex and she doesn't, doesn't do the right thing all the time. She's sad. Sometimes she's strong. Sometimes she's physically strong. And I was so excited to see a female character like that. That was everything. Cause we all are. Um, and then, you know, on top of that, the physical stuff, I love that. She is not dolled up. She's not dressing for a male gaze or a female gaze. She's just in flat boots and, like, jeans that she wears, the same ones every day, which I love. Um, You know, while little girls maybe aren't going to watch Jessica Jones because of the, you know, there's a lot of sex and booze. But um, if if little girls were to see an image of Jessica Jones in her, like, jeans and her jacket, she could ask her parents, like, oh, who's that? And they could say, oh, that's Jessica Jones. She's really strong, and she stands up for the little guy. She helps the people that she loves. And that's an image that I love putting out in the world. It's not about makeup. It's not about hair. It's not about looking beautiful. It's about what's inside. I've had so many women come up to me on the street or at Comic-Cons, things like that, what I go to, and they'll say, like, they're so excited to see this badass female character who's just tough and strong and who we've even said, like, they felt represented. They felt empowered by her. They've told me that they've had their own Kilgrave and that Jessica's changed their lives. So you know, it, it, it's it's an amazing show that an amazing female image that I think we're putting out into the world. And so yes, it was all of it. Every little detail is is um, is intentional. Great. Thanks. That's a long winded. I'm so sorry. I just went on for an hour.
0: <laughs> um, I see the intention also of really putting um, a game together. Dolls, because what's happening is, is it's the it's the girls you know it's the sisters it's the mom it's and of course the guys, but putting a whole game together and I really see little dolls and little girls actually like the guys do you know they go whatever, and I think they would really really enjoy it and it's not to make them crazy, it's to make them... I'm thinking of a sustainable, eco-friendly green doll.
2: Yeah. doing <laughs> The, uh, the yeah. real
0: millennial thing and creating a toy that's sustainable. And you can make it at this point. Well, I'm into sustainable living anyway, but that's besides the point. But I see a whole game over here. I really do. Thank you. I think it would really grow.
3: I agree.
7: We like to refer to them as action figures.
3: Yeah. The,
7: the doll problem. Is a little problematic. But.
0: Action figures. All right. One last question. Um, if we can get the mic to someone in the back.
3: Thanks so much.
1: Hi. Um, it's so funny that my friends seem to think I love the show so much because I identify with a character who's, cynical and sarcastic and has a few mental health issues, but it's like my response is, oh, hell, who doesn't? Yeah, I mean, I don't have superpowers. But my question for kind of everybody, anybody that wants to answer it, is obviously going into the series, you knew there were going to be some perhaps difficult technical issues or, or choreographing or stunt issues. And I'm just curious if anybody thought, found out things ended up being easier than they thought they would. Or harder to do? And if so, what were they? Thanks.
3: I mean, I had never done stunts before. And I think um, season one, we set up rehearsals. We had a bar fight scene that had several beats in it, probably about 15 beats. And I, like, if I went to an aerobics class, like, I don't, I'm making a fool of myself. I just can't, like, get it. And I remember we were starting our first rehearsal for that, and they're, like, going through it. And I was probably, like, sweating and breaking out in hives and terrified that I wouldn't be able to do it. It's scary, and and then you know we would break it down like one beat, add the second beat, add the third beat, and make it like bite-sized pieces. And then I got it, and ended up being way more fun than I ever imagined. What what I thought was going to be terrifying ended up being like kind of like the best thing ever. <laughs> now you can't hold her back. It's just yeah. It's, I, now I throw myself. Can't I fight in this moment. <laughs> yeah.
0: I, All right.
7: I, I also I just want to take a, a second to say that I I hear that a lot when people say, you know, people think I like the show because I'm I'm sarcastic or I have mental health issues or or any of those things. And I just want to say that that you standing up here and saying that to the crowd that is your superpower. That like the anybody who can be enough that they're self aware of who they are and is willing to stand up in a group of people that they don't know and ask a question, that's, that's a superpower, and, and you should feel good about that and, and take that moment in your life and be able to go, you know what, I did do something that maybe not everybody in this room would do, because one of the things that we continually talk about is a hero is someone who stands up when everybody else is told to sit down, and, and that's all that does it, and so if we can do that, then particularly with what's going on in this country right now, we need to stand up more. Uh, and and say the, in order to make the world better not for any political party or anything else like that for humanity because we only have one ball of dirt that we're all living on and we've got to figure it out
0: well it's a perfect note to end on thank you all so much for coming enjoy the rest of your afternoon and thanks to all of you guys
3: thank you thank guys you. thank you so much for coming
0: Thanks for listening to this week's show. We'll be back next time with another great episode. We'll be talking about better things with the cast and creator Pamela Adlon. See you next time. This week's podcast was brought to you by the Emmy nominated comedy Blackish. Starring Emmy nominees Tracy Ellis Ross and Anthony Anderson. The critically acclaimed comedy series just wrapped its fourth season with creator and executive producer Kenya Barris. Showcasing a musical episode with Juneteenth, continued Johnson family hilarity, and some rocky marriage troubles between Bo and Dre. For your Emmy consideration, vote-ish in all categories, including outstanding comedy series.
1: As Entertainment Weekly raves, Blackish is the gift that keeps on giving.